Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, you got, if you got your Bibles, Acts chapter 13, we are, we are coming down the home stretch of, of Paul's message uh, in Antioch of, of Pisidia. But before we, before we dive into our, our text this morning, uh, I, I'll, start, I'll start with a, a little bit of a, of a confession this morning. Uh, for, for a long time, I uh, secretly judge people. Uh, maybe not secretly. Uh, I judge people who had their uh, their Christmas bumper stickers um, and decals on their vehicles year round, <laughs> um, like the the perennial manger uh, or, or the 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 Jesus is the reason for the season. I'm a horrible person. Like I I I know I I understand. Uh, but but more more and more, I I I get it. Uh, I, I get it. Um, instead of a season where, well, Christmas season where we just like sit around in awe uh, of, of this God who, who put on human flesh uh, to come to save his creation. Like we're talking about Santa, we're talking about elves, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about trees and presents and parties. But, but honestly, for Christians, like Easter is a massive deal. Amen? It is a, a massive deal. Uh, should be a massive deal for us that this same God who put on human flesh conquered death for us. Amen? And that our, our sin problem was once and for all decisively dealt with when Jesus walked out of that grave. And, and, and yet, like we're, we're talking about the Easter bunny. <laughs> um. And so here we are, over a month removed from Easter, from Resurrection Sunday, and as, as, we, as we're trekking through Acts 13, church family, uh, we're going to talk about the resurrection again, amen? So if y'all missed Easter, welcome back, okay? Specifically, as we, as we examine the second half of Paul's sermon uh, in the synagogue there in Antioch of Pisidia, and, and, and remember this is in the, the, the region of Galatia, we're, we're going to discover that there are these just certain results. There should be these results of the resurrection. And so the, the question is, Christian, does, does the world see these results in your life? Do, does the, the world see someone... Christ follower who, who is completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Do they see someone who is walking in, in freedom or, or bondage? The restoration fam, the, the, the resurrection of, of Jesus should result in a, in a complete life change. That's what Paul preaches about to, to those who were in the synagogue that day. And so we're going to dive in this morning and we're going to look, we're going to take kind of a big chunk, uh, 11 or 12 verses, verse 26 through 37. And the first point that I want to make this morning is that the resurrection was foretold and fulfilled. 
The resurrection was foretold and fulfilled. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, foretold and fulfilled. Solid, solid. I think we can get in sync a little bit better. Look at your other neighbor and say, foretold and fulfilled. So, so as you look at verse 26 through 29, I, I, I want to just, I, I think the overarching like, thought here is that Israel missed the point. If you look at the text, they, they miss the message of salvation. And just like you know, Paul has already preached, just like God did uh, during the time of the Exodus, through, through the judges, all the way up to the prophets, uh, ultimately, once again, he was making provision for his people's salvation, for their deliverance. That in verse 26, that word for salvation is soteria, it means deliverance. But he was providing not not just for a temporal deliverance out of Egypt or from a nation that was attacking. He was providing a deliverance, a, a final deliverance from sin, an eternal deliverance. And check this out in verse 27, Israel's ignorance is is on full display. It says they didn't recognize, but, but in the Greek, it's really like. Uh, a word for ignorance, but, but it's not just an oblivious ignorance. Like there was this devious sort of depraved element to their ignorance because the end of verse 27 tells us that they actually condemned Christ. They condemned Christ. And in the Greek, it they, they means to pass judgment. Even though verse 28 tells us that no guilt, he, there was no guilt worthy of death. And yet they pass judgment on Jesus. I, I, I was reading uh, through our Bible reading plan that the staff and a lot of, of our church family is going through. And I was reading in the Passion Narrative this past week in, in Luke 23. And over and over again, you see this emphasis on Jesus' innocence. But check this out. It was like it'd be one thing if like his apostles, if John or if Peter or Andrew or Bartholomew were proclaiming his innocence. But you roll into Luke chapter 23 and you see Pilate, the, the Roman prefect over Judea, Pilate in Luke 23, 4 says, I find no grounds for charging this man. Later in Luke 23, 14, I've, I've found no grounds to charge this man with those things that you accuse him of. Luke 23, 15, clearly he has done nothing, nothing to deserve death. And then you get to verse 22 of Luke 23 and it says, what has this man done wrong? I've found in him no grounds for the death penalty. And yet, and yet they, they passed judgment on Christ and they crucified him on a cross. Verse 29 references that cross being a tree. And so it, it talks about them taking down Jesus from the tree. And it's actually, it's actually pointing us to Deuteronomy, a passage in Deuteronomy 21. Verse 22 and 23 says this, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death, if he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So according to the Old Testament, this, this was a sign of, of cursing. 
And so for the Jews, as they passed by Jesus that day, what, what, they, they would have just seen a, a lawbreaker. They, they would have just seen a cursed man. Like he couldn't, possibly, he couldn't possibly be their Messiah. But the reality is that they, they were the lawbreakers. They were the lawbreakers. They, they condemned and crucified the embodiment of their God. And F.F. F. Bruce says this, so God reversed the judgment of man. Amen? I don't know if y'all hear me this morning. So God reversed the judgment of man. Church fam, they, they got it all backwards. Let, let, me, let me tell you how backwards they got it. You, it's easy to miss this verse. But in John 18, 28, this is how backwards they had it. The religious leaders, as they had, as they had gotten Jesus and were ready to, to parade Him through His mockery of a trial and beat Him and kill Him, the religious leaders, they would not enter the governor's headquarters. They would not enter the governor's headquarters, the, a home, the home of a Gentile, because they didn't want to be defiled for the Passover. As they were about to torture and crucify Jesus. And Paul goes on, and in verse 30 through 37, we see this explosion of resurrection references. Verse 30, verse 33, verse 34, verse 37. And within that, we, we see three Old Testament references. And, and you, you may want to jot these down. The first Old Testament reference is to Psalm 2-7. To Jesus as the ultimate begotten Son of God. The second Old Testament reference is to Isaiah 55.3. And it's a reference to God's covenant with David that through his line that a, a ruler, a king would come who would establish the kingdom of God. And then the third is a, it's a reference to Psalm 16.10. And it reveals that the Son of God, this Son of God, would, His body would not see corruption. And we know that didn't apply to David. That's what Paul says in his sermon. David served his purpose. He died. He was laid to rest. I like how Tony Evans, uh, Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says, David decayed in his tomb. Jesus walked out of his. Amen? David decayed in his tomb. Jesus walked out of his. So, so here's, here's the application. I know we, we kind of we had to do like a quick 30,000 uh, foot view of, of those first few verses, but it's, it's building something. But here's, here's some, let me drop some application right here. What, what, is, what does all this mean? First, it, it, it means this. It means that the resurrection is an essential part of the gospel. Amen? I feel like we've forgotten that in the church. It's, it's not an afterthought. It's a reminder that Christians, listen, we can't just be cross-centered. We've got to be resurrection-centered too. Amen? Like Jesus, He's not still on that piece of wood. He's, he's alive and well in the heavenlies. Amen? He, he's alive and well. Christian, He is interceding for you right now at the right hand of the Father, awaiting the day where He will return and renew all things and make all things new. And so the, the scary thing, I think, for us is, is that you can share the Gospel in a way that 
promises personal forgiveness of sin while, while inadvertently placing all of the emphasis on this life now. Versus life eternal in a kingdom ruled by Jesus, ruled by a, 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 a king, a conquering king who has returned. And another, another application of this is, is listen, we, we have to remember Job was looking forward to the resurrection. We see that in Job 19.25. Abraham was, was looking forward to the resurrection. The author of Hebrews talks about that in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. Daniel was looking forward to the resurrection. Talks about it in Daniel 12, 2. Like the resurrection was foretold and fulfilled. And I would, listen, this is the application. I would argue that you, Christian, like you don't, Christian, you don't get to a place of radical obedience like Job, like Abram, like Abraham, and like Daniel until you're willing to stake your life on the resurrection. I don't think, I don't think you get to that radical place of obedience like these heroes of faith that have gone before us unless we're willing to stake our life on the truth, the gospel truth of Christ raised, alive, Savior who has gone before us and has promised to raise us with and in Him. Second thing this morning, as we look at verses 38 and 39, the resurrection sealed your forgiveness and freedom the resurrection sealed your forgiveness and freedom. I want you to look, I want you to look at your neighbor and say forgiveness and freedom. Y'all sound depressed about forgiveness and freedom. I want you to look at your neighbor and say forgiveness and freedom. Like we can be kind of like semi-excited about this. Because verse 38, it says, it says this: let it be known to you, therefore. Brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believed is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And so often, again, when you see that word therefore, you, you ask, well, what's that therefore, therefore? It's telling you that everything that's been building is, is, is to this point, to this point, this, this message of forgiveness and freedom. Through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. In, in the Greek, that word forgiveness, aphesis, is pardon. It is forgiveness. And it, it brings with it this idea of a, of a formal release from an obligation or a debt. In this case, our, our debt to sin. And, and so, and so here, here's the big idea. Here's what we've got to get a hold of in, this, in Paul's message. Like, if you have never seen yourself, if you have never seen yourself as someone in bondage to sin and in desperate need of, of release from sin's stronghold, you're not really understanding or maybe not even believing what Jesus came to accomplish for you. 
See, we, we can't keep the, 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 these essential elements of salvation and the gospel in, in, in generic-ville, right? Because the, the gospel is not just like, man, God loves you so much. Like, that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not just, man, Jesus really wants a, a relationship with you. Or, man, God really wants to give you new purpose. Like, the, listen, the, the gospel is about a rescue mission. Amen? The gospel is about a rescue mission. Like we, we love stories of rescue. We love stories of rescue. In, in, in 2005, back in my hometown, I, I, I helped out at, at my parents' church as it was uh, converted to a, a Red Cross hub during the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And as, as people began to come through the doors pour through the doors in need of, they, they were in need of food, they were in need of shelter. We, we, we began to more fully understand, like just as time went on, the, the level of devastation. And, 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 and I read this, it's been reported that, that rescuers managed to swim, boat, and airlift over 30,000 people to safety during Katrina. 30,000. That's, that's a, incredible. Like, we, we love stories of rescue. We, we just don't like it when, when it's us that, that needs the rescue. Y'all with me? We just don't like it when it's, when it's us. And, and, and so hear me, the gospel. And, and, and if, you, if you don't know Jesus, listen, like if you've not trusted Jesus with your, with your life with, for salvation, this, this, you need to listen. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, as the perfect God-man, was the only one qualified to take the penalty reserved for sinners. He was the only one able to secure your, your pardon and your rescue. And we've said this before, but because death was, was a penalty reserved for sinners, death could not hold Christ. Amen? That's why, that's why Paul's saying his body did not see corruption as it was prophesied. That's why on the third day, man, he gloriously arose, signaling not, listen, not just to all mankind, but to all the powers of hell that He is the victorious Son of God. And John 8.36 says, if the Son has set, set you free, then you are free indeed. The Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And so in our text, verse 39 says, by Him, everyone who believes is freed. Everyone who, who believes is freed. And it's interesting that in, in the Greek, that, that word for freed is actually the word, the word for justified, to be made right with God. You say, well, why, why, could the law, why could the law not free us from sin? Why could the law not make us right with God? Because the law, listen, the, the law only brings knowledge of sin. The law, it, like, it, might, it might restrain sin, but it, doesn't, it can't really deal with the human sinful hearts. The, the law, it, it reveals the righteous standard of God. But listen, some of y'all need to understand this. The law was never meant to be an instrument of salvation. It just reveals our, our, our rebellion and our 
our need, your need for a Savior and a Redeemer. My, 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 my bride uh, grew up, Steph grew up uh, watching Grease, the John Travolta movie. She, uh, she knows, I think she still knows most of the words to the songs. Uh, true story, I'd never watched it until the other night. We watched a good portion of the movie. And, and John Travolta's character, Danny, uh, is, is this, this greaser bad boy who is a member of the T-Birds. And so these, these cats, they're they hot rod racing, black leather jacket wearing uh, rebels who do, that, they, they do what they want, right? And you say, well, what in the world does Danny uh, from, from Greece have to do with anything? That's a fantastic question. Um, I, I think the reality is that the, the, the world, the lost world, is like Danny. I do what I want. Like this, this is freedom. Like rebellion is freedom. Now, now one caveat, I, I would say this. Tim Keller, if, if you think about Luke 15, Tim Keller says that some rebel like the prodigal son and they sin really, quote unquote, really big. Others rebel like the older brother and they rebel against God and their own self-righteousness. But make no mistake, both forms of rebellion reject God's standard of righteousness in Jesus. And if you think about it, here's here's the thing. Y'all listen, listen, we have got to we have got to have a biblical worldview. We have got to filter movies and culture and media and messaging through the word of God. Because here's the thing, like. Satan, Satan promises that that freedom, but but in a world supercharged by Satan, listen, that that world is hardwired for rebellion against the authority of God. So in effect, rebellion is just the status quo of Satan's plan. And and so at every turn from Genesis three and on, the lie of the enemy has has been to add to the Word of God, or, or to get us to doubt the Word of God and to push man to, make, uh, to take things into his own hands. And so from the beginning of time, Satan, he, what he does is he offers higher knowledge, right? And freedom. Freedom through human work. Satan offers higher knowledge and freedom through human work. And so it's like this. When, when, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door, and he, was, he was calling the church back to faith in Christ alone for salvation in a time when the, the, the Roman Catholic Church was offering forgiveness and freedom through indulgences and works. And so throughout, throughout history, any, any movement that, that mixes works with the finished work of Christ for salvation, man, it's a broken movement, amen? It's a broken movement. So today, like we've got politicians that are offering freedom 
promising freedom. We've got ideologies and movements that are, that are promising freedom politically and socially and, and societally. And, and listen, remember, here, here's where we, we need to connect the dots. Remember the context of our text. Paul is in Galatia. He's in the region of Galatia. This, this will become the Galatian church. And within a decade, it would be the Galatian church that would fall for a false gospel of Jesus plus works. Church family, of course, works should flow from the life of a Christian. Amen? We, we should be about the things of God. Works should flow from the life of a Christian. But the minute we mix works into the gospel, we have set up humanism alongside biblical Christianity. In the church, we need to wake up. Because like the Galatian church, listen, the gospel has been hijacked to mean something completely different these days. And we're just we're standing, standing idly by. We're, we're watching it happen. And, and even saying amen to Jesus plus. God help us. See, what I'm saying is without the resurrection, there is no victory over sin and death. And human hearts are still chained to their sin. Church, we, we've got to be clear. It is only the work of Jesus that, that brings forgiveness and freedom. Amen? Third thing, this will be quick, as we look at verse 40 through 41, it's a warning. Uh, it's a warning not to be a scoffer, but to be surrendered. Don't be a scoffer, be surrendered. See, Paul says this, be, beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets from Habakkuk should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. Don't be a scoffer. Be surrendered. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be surrendered. Look at your other neighbor and tell him, be surrendered. So, so this, this sermon ends with a, with a solemn warning from, from Paul, really from Habakkuk. One commentator put it like this, Paul tells his listeners to watch out lest judgment come for not heeding or believing God when he acts. See, in Habakkuk's time, church fam, the people of Israel, had, they had grown completely desensitized to their sin. They, they failed to repent, so God sent the Babylonians to, to judge Israel, to judge his people. And of course, Habakkuk is appalled. He's appalled that God would send the unrighteous Babylonians to judge the righteous Israelites who were completely living in rebellion against God. But the only standard of righteousness that mattered was God's standard of righteousness. Let me say that again. Because like church, we got to hear this. The only standard of righteousness that matters is God's standard of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so Israel was judged for their rebellion. It's, it's, it's interesting, that word scoffer, scoffer in the Greek. It's a crazy word, kataphronetes. Scoffer means scoffer or despiser. And you say, well, I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't despise God's word. I, I, I don't... 
Like, I don't, I don't despise the resurrection, but, but, if, but if you are currently living for the things of this world, functionally, you are a scoffer. If you're currently living for the things of this world, functionally, you, you are a scoffer. But when, when God's people move from living as scoffers to those who are fully surrendered to the gospel of Christ, crucified and raised. I mean, the world, the world has got to take note. The, the resurrection results are going to be undeniable. We're, we're, we'll show the world what it looks like to live as a forgiven people who turn that forgiveness outward and forgive freely and demonstrate grace freely. A, a grace that we've received through Jesus. We'll show the world what it looks to, to live as a people who are truly free from the penalty and power of sin. I'll close, I'll close with this this morning. I, we, we, we haven't sung it in a while, but, but in the early days, let me close with this. I, in the early days of restoration, our friend Sheridan Henson would come and, and she would sing uh, Matt Maurer's song, Christ is Risen. Y'all, are y'all familiar with that song? Uh, it's, it's, uh, I looked and it's 09 and that's like, that's like an antique worship song now. Um, but the chorus, the chorus of Christ is risen just says, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake. Come and rise up from the grave. And then the bridge, the bridge just says this. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, church, come stand in the light. The glory of God has defeated the night. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, church, come stand in the light. Our God is not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. And I can't think of a more appropriate charge to end with. Church, come awake. Come awake. Not not to what the culture is telling you to wake up to. Wake up to the significance of Christ resurrected. Jesus is alive. And it's time time to live in His life. Quit, Quit reaching for the culture's false promises of peace and freedom. Real forgiveness, real freedom are found in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Y'all pray with me this morning.